Hi, I'm Dan Jones. And I'm Mia Lee, and we are the editors of Modern Love at the New York Times and co-hosts of the Modern Love podcast. We read love stories for a living. And by love stories, we mean essays written by real people about all forms of human connection. We're talking about everything from first dates to funerals, from sibling rivalries to new love at 85. On our show, we're going to bring those stories to life. We'll hear from the writers and also from the people who are written about. Relationships are the most important things in our lives. And the people that tell us their stories are just so brave, like way braver than I think I am most of the time. Yeah. They're so honest and so vulnerable. And listening to the stories, I feel like you absorb so much wisdom and you get a sense that you're not alone. You can follow Modern Love wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. We hope you'll join us. New episodes are out every Wednesday. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Barbaro. This is The Daily. Today... For seven years, they've waited for the chance to dismantle President Obama's Affordable Care Act. So why are some Republicans now revolting against the Republican plan to replace it? We take a close look at the bill to understand, and we call a former Republican presidential candidate for his take. It's Wednesday, March 8th. Harry S. Truman, president and president-elect, comes before Congress. The State of the Union, he says, is good. We begin in 1948. The greatest gap in our social security structure is the lack of adequate provision for the nation's health. We are rightly proud of the high standards of medical care we know how to provide in the United States. The fact is, however, that most of our people cannot afford to pay for the care they need. And so it began. This great nation cannot afford to allow its citizens to suffer needlessly from the lack of proper medical care. Like dozens of allies after the Second World War, the United States started to debate whether to create a nationwide health care system. By July of that year, Britain had a national health care program. And soon enough, similar programs were enacted in Sweden, Iceland, Norway, Denmark, and Finland. Then, Japan, Canada, Italy, and China. By the end of the 1970s, the idea had spread through much of the industrialized world. In the United States, programs like Medicare and Medicaid were developed to protect specific groups, like the elderly or the poor. But because of its size, because of its history, because of its nature, the U.S. never enacted such sweeping legislation. Until 2010. Today, after almost a century of trying, today, after over a year of debate, today, after all the votes have been tallied, health insurance reform becomes law in the United States of America. But as soon as it was signed, before it was signed... Obamacare is a cancer in our government, and we're going to rip it out. Opponents of the bill began to cry for repeal. In no uncertain terms, repeal this bill. And after seven years and more than 60 attempts to repeal, Republicans have now won control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. 
their moment to do what they've longed to do has come. But recently, something has changed. Really, I think what we're seeing right now is a debate within the Republican Party about what is their vision for healthcare and does this bill represent it well? Margot Sanger Katz has been reporting on the US healthcare system for years. Margot, real quick before we get into the new bill, remind us what is the Affordable Care Act? The Affordable Care Act was this big, sprawling, complex piece of legislation that was designed to help people who couldn't afford to buy their own insurance have the ability to get access to it. And it was also designed to make sure that people who were shut out of the old insurance system because they had prior illnesses no longer were excluded. In the simplest terms, how is this new health care plan from the Republicans different from the Affordable Care Act? Oh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, the Affordable Care Act took our dysfunctional healthcare system and like layered some stuff on top of it. This Republican, you know, repeal, replace, reform, whatever we want to call it, is doing some of the same thing. You know, hmm. when the Affordable Care Act was first passed and in the years afterwards, and I guess really right up until very recently. So our plan, repeal it, clean repeal. The battle cry was we're going to repeal Obamacare. Complete repeal, clean repeal. And I think what Republicans really meant is like, we want to go back to the old healthcare system in, that we had in 2009, where we didn't have this huge expansion of government benefits and we didn't have this, you know, extensive regulation of health insurance. But since then, people have kind of gotten used to this new system and we have, you know, it's more than 20 million people who are newly insured as a result of it. And so I think it's become much politically harder for Republicans to just say, we're going to turn back the clock. And so this bill, the American Healthcare Act, Instead, they've moved to this idea that we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. It keeps our promise to repeal and replace Obamacare. That's actually quite hard because I don't think that they have as clear a vision as the Democrats had of what they want the health care system to look like and how they're going to get there. And so what we see with this bill is it just makes various changes to Obamacare's program. But it's not like structurally revolutionary. It's just kind of it's making changes to how things work. Let's talk about just a, f a few of those changes. And what are the biggest of them? So the biggest one I would say is that it totally changes the nature of these tax credits that help people buy their own insurance. Under Obamacare, basically, your tax credit is calculated based on how much does insurance cost in your area and how much do you earn? And then they sort of do some math and say, okay, you only have to pay a certain percentage of your income towards your premiums. And so what that means is that if you're pretty poor and health insurance is really expensive where you live, the amount you pay for the product is pretty low. And that's why so many poor people have signed up because the plans are really affordable. What the Republicans want to do is instead of having this complex formula, they want to say like, if you're a certain age, you get a flat tax credit. If you're 20 years old, for example, you would get a tax credit that's $2,000. If you're older, if you're 60 years old, you get $4,000 and you can use that to buy insurance. And it doesn't matter how much insurance costs in your area and it doesn't matter how poor or rich you are except at the very high end. And so what that means is that there are more Americans who are eligible for tax credits under this system than Obamacare. But because they're not scaled to people's income, they end up being a lot less generous for particular groups of people and a lot more generous for others. I want to make sure I understand why poor people are not going to benefit from this new plan. Well, I have an example here that I can share with you. <laughs> um, so here's an example I looked up. If you live in central Nebraska right now and you're 60 years old and you make $20,000, the tax credit that you're eligible for under Obamacare is worth about $18,500. It's a lot of money. It's 
a lot of money. Under the new plan, the tax credit that you're eligible for is worth $4,000. And I don't think that the premiums that you're going to have to pay are so substantially different under this plan that it's going to make up for the $14,000 you've just lost in tax assistance. So if you're someone who earns $20,000 a year, it's not exactly clear to me where you're going to come up with $14,000 additional dollars in order to buy health insurance. Probably if you're that person, you're going to go from having insurance to not having insurance. All right. Then there's this big politically charged word, mandate. Yeah. So it gets rid of the mandate. So that means if you don't want to have insurance, you don't have to, and you don't have to pay a penalty. But it has a bunch of other policies in there that are designed to try to still encourage people to buy insurance. Mm -hmm. And the other thing it does is it creates this penalty if you get uninsured. So if you drop your insurance and then you decide you want to buy some insurance later, like maybe when you get sick, you have to pay 30% more than someone who's been insured the whole time. And the Republicans say this will create a financial incentive for people to stay in the system over time. That sounds a lot like a penalty, like from the old plan. It is, but it's also, you know, critics have pointed out that there are some weird perverse incentives that could occur as a result of this penalty. So the individual mandate penalty, you pay every year you don't have insurance. And then as soon as you want to buy insurance, you just pay the normal price. This penalty, you don't pay anything when you're uninsured. And then when you go get insurance, that's when you have to pay this extra price. And so I think you have to imagine like what happens if you're a healthy person and I don't know, maybe you lose your job. You can't afford insurance for a couple of months. Then you decide you want to go buy it and you find out there's this big penalty. It may be the case that you, you don't say, get insurance. Yeah, I'm not going to get insurance until I'm sick. I can't afford this, you know, 130% of what everyone else is paying. The other big change is it really makes substantial changes to Medicaid. It pulls back some of the f- extra funding that the Affordable Care Act gave to states to cover uh, the poor people that they didn't used to cover. And then it also makes uh, some changes to the structure of the program that over time are going to reduce federal spending on Medicaid and potentially could result in less care for poor people. How much does the new plan cost? We have no idea. How is that possible? The Republicans are really in a big hurry to pass this bill. And so they're they're proceeding in their process without waiting for the Congressional Budget Office to do its calculations. At some point in the future, we are going to get this report and the report is going to include estimates of how many people are going to get or lose health insurance and how much it's going to cost federal taxpayers. But those numbers are not available at this time. And Republicans are going to continue to move forward with this bill in the absence of those numbers. It feels, Margaret, like there's no way to pull this new Republican law away from the really urgent politics that surround it. Real change begins with immediately repealing and replacing the disaster known as Obamacare. Ideally, the Republicans would have had more time to do this, but they've got the 100 days pressure since the election. How much of what we're seeing here is just a response to enormous pressure to do something right now? I think there's like a, on the one hand, on the other hand here, on, on the one hand, yeah, you know, they haven't been in for that long. They're the, you know, President Trump really put a lot of pressure on them to do this first before they did anything else. He demanded else. like right away. Yeah, he said right away. And he also said you have to do the whole thing all at once. We have to repeal and replace Obamacare. You take a look at the kind of numbers that that will cost us in the year 17. It is a disaster. That's pretty hard. That's not that much time. On the other hand, you know, Obamacare has been the law since 2010. Republicans have been 
railing against it and running against it and advertising against it for all of this time. It is not as if they did not know what the law was and what the options were that were before them. And you could imagine a scenario in which they were just delighted to hand over the bill on day one because they had been thinking about it this whole time. So yeah, they're in a rush. But I think part of what the kind of slapdash nature of this process reflects is that Republicans really aren't in agreement about what it is they want to do on health care. And so that has led them to kind of scramble to try to assemble something that can appeal broadly to their entire caucus and also be written and scored and passed in this very abbreviated time frame. Just how deep are the divisions within the Republican Party over this new health care plan? They're really, really deep. And you know, here are a couple of examples of, of things that they're fighting about that I think are sort of existential to the bill. There are a substantial number of conservatives who do not feel that the federal government should be giving people money to help them buy health insurance. No one has a right to medical care. Period. So that's like, period. Our government has been mismanaging medical care for more than 45 years. For every problem it has created, it has responded by exponentially expanding the role of government. Uh, that's one example. Another is, you know, this Medicaid expansion has led to millions of low-income people getting coverage, many of them living in Republican states. And so for particularly senators who come from those states, they don't want all of those people to lose their coverage. So even though they are theoretically in favor of repealing Obamacare, I think they also really support this really crucial part of Obamacare that did involve a whole lot of federal spending and oversight. And so, you know, how do you thread the needle between people who feel the federal government shouldn't be in the business of giving health care to people or giving them money to get health care and people who feel like that millions of people should be able to have access to this government program. Good question. Margo, has something happened in the last seven years that in a way can't be undone in American health care? We're going to find out the answer to that question, but I think that the answer is yes. I really think that the Affordable Care Act has reset people's expectations about what the government's role is in helping people get health insurance and what kind of access to health insurance people ought to have. And I think we really see that reflected in President Trump's statements, actually. You what know, do you mean? He's been saying all along that it's really important that we don't allow people to fall between the cracks. He was saying that even in the presidential primary, he said uh, just after the election that it was really important that we have a plan that cover everyone. Everybody's got to be covered. This is an unrepublican thing for me to say, because a lot of times they say, no, no, the lower 25 percent, they can't afford private. But universal health care, I am going to take care of everybody. I'm, I don't care if it costs me votes or not. Everybody's going to be taken care of much better than they're taking care of now. These statements are really different than the kinds of things that Republicans were saying when the Affordable Care Act was debated, where they just basically were saying, get the government out of my health care. And that brings me to my final question, which is what is going to be the role of President Trump in getting this bill passed in making a major change to the Affordable Care Act? So far, it's not clear how enthusiastic he is about it. He, in a tweet, described it as our bill, but he also said that it is a starting place for negotiation. And his spokesman, uh, Sean Spicer, made some similar comments today. So I think the president has sort of like tentatively endorsed this plan, but he hasn't wholeheartedly endorsed this plan. So I think we, we really have to see whether he wants to bring all of his power to bear on trying to make this bill into law. Margo, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I have to tell you, it's an unbelievably complex subject. Nobody knew that health care could be so complicated. We'll be right back 
This fall, history is happening. September 14th, 2021. Hamilton, the Tony, Grammy, Olivier, and Pulitzer Prize-winning musical, returns to Broadway. Tickets are on sale now. Performances begin September 14th. Hamilton, back on Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theater. Learn more at hamiltonmusical.com. Thank you for taking a minute to watch this report to you about a very important new project at American Solutions. If you go to nomoreobamacare.com, you can play a major role in helping stop the socialization of American health care, the centralization, and the domination of your health choices by Washington bureaucrats. We have a project now to get people to sign a petition to get their senators to vote to repeal Obamacare. That was former Republican Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich six years ago. After hearing the details of the new health plan, I called him up. Hello, sir. How are you? Yes, sir. Good. What's up? So many Republicans are criticizing this new health care bill as an establishment bill. They're saying it's too close to President Obama's original health care bill. There's a leadership plan that was brought forward, which I believe, when you look through it, is Obamacare in a different form. What do you think of their critique? Are they correct? No, I think this bill is, has to be seen as the first of either three or four bills, and therefore it will not satisfy someone who wants a full-blown repeal. But to get something through the Senate when you only have 52 senators, I think you have to write a narrower bill and then come back this fall and try to write a bill that can get 60 votes. I don't think you can do both at the same time. But would it be better off to just repeal the Affordable Care Act rather than... They couldn't. Rather than having... You couldn't get it through the Senate. So it's okay to have, as a foundation, the Affordable Care Act that President Obama put in place? No. This is part one. This is, everybody on the right said move immediately, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're going to move immediately with 52 senators, this is the most aggressive you can move. Now, if you, want, if you want to be patient and move in September or October, you may be able to round up 60 votes. I also think... Once we get past repealing Obamacare, which will get no Democratic votes, the second step of transition away from Obamacare may actually be written in a manner where you start getting Democratic votes. Hmm. And you're going to have to get eight Democrats in the Senate. If you keep every Republican, you're going to have to get eight Democrats in the Senate to pass the bill. If I thought this was the only bill, I'd be uncomfortable. I think this is the first step in a multi-step process. And you do know something about getting laws passed in the United States Congress. A little bit. Once upon a time. Is America just not supposed to have a national health care system? America should have a system that guarantees that every American has access to health care. But we are such a diverse country that we should, in fact, look at allowing states to develop models that fit those states. Alaska is astonishingly different than Rhode Island. And to try to design... One size fits all for this entire country, I think, would both be a mistake. And if you're in the early stages of a radical scientific revolution, it also would, it would, would mean bureaucrats slowing down every single new innovation. Speaker Gingrich, thank you very much for your time. Bye. Here's what else you need to know today. WikiLeaks is releasing what appears to be the largest leak of CIA documents in history, publicizing what it says is a secret set of tools the agency uses to break into smartphones, computers, and internet-connected TVs. 
Those TVs can be turned into secret recording devices, even when they're switched off. The CIA has not confirmed the authenticity of the documents, but a government official tells the Times they are real. And days after North Korea launched its latest missile test, the U.S. has begun deploying a missile defense system in South Korea. The U.S. says the system will protect the South from the North, but China sees it differently. It's calling the U.S. move a provocative challenge to China's power in the region. That's it for The Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow. For more of The Daily, text the word DAILY to 63937. I'll send you links to stories and some observations. Again, text the word DAILY to 63937. And thanks. When times became uncertain, Womply pivoted their technology platform and committed to help small businesses and self-employed workers get approved for their PPP loan. In just a few months, Womply has helped one million businesses across America to secure much-needed funding so they can continue to stay open and serve their communities. Womply helps small businesses thrive. Visit Womply.com to learn more.